Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. Hey friends, it's Elizabeth, and today I'm joined by Tamarcus. Jenna Hernandez is also back joining us. And then today we have a special host. I'm not the host today. Today the host is Chelsea. Chelsea, how you doing? Hey guys. Burr, How's burr, it burr, going? Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> um yeah, I'm going to I'm going to this is going to be a little bit different episode. I'm going to ask y'all questions because each of you has worked in different capacities with young adults and that is the topic of today's show. How about we do this? How about each of you give a little explanation of what you have done, what your ministries look like, as far as the youths? The youths. The young Jenna, people. let's go to you. <laughs> I've, I've done many years working with the youths. Um, I have, I'm in my seventh year of college ministry, at specifically UT Dallas, but yeah, so around 17 or 18 year olds into their 22nd sometimes year, if they're going to grad school. College men. Okay. Yeah. To Marcus. Yeah. Um, probably about, I'm trying to think, because I'm like seniors in high school to like college to young adult official, probably a conglomerate of all that for about mm, six or seven years. Nice. Nice. Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, probably maybe four or five years, uh, kind of in different areas, but the majority of it was leading singles ministries. So the ministry I led did include like, 18 to grandma. Um, but <laughs> Love that. Um, it did include a, a, a lot of young adults. And so kind of ministering to that generation and a lot of fun memories and wisdom nuggets to share. Mm. Come on, wisdom. Well, we're going to get to those wisdom nuggets. Um, let's kick off this way. Uh, so we've been kind of talking to a lot of our guests this season about the ways that they've seen the pandemic uh, affect their their levels of of expertise. And so for y'all, how do you think COVID changed the way young people move into adulthood? Any thoughts about that? I think one of the biggest things, and uh, if you've been keeping up with the show, you know, we've had some some guests on. And one of the things that often is, is brought up is how there were um, kind of some factors that were already in play or, or happening, rather be with social media and just different things that were changing before COVID. And then COVID kind of served as uh, just, I don't know, a catalyst that like expedited the mm-hmm. the situation. But I think one of the one of the largest things, um, just thinking brief, you know, overview of just how much for a, you know, certain frame frame of people that could drastically change the way their college years, end of college years early into adulthood. So I I specifically think about those young adults who were in a senior year of college or just entering college or had just finished college and was now entering into the workforce. And it's like, oh, you're trying to find a job and almost every place of employment is either closed or working remotely. And so whereas, you know, generations before you had that simple, oh, I just you know, apply, go in, interview. It was like you were in, you were navigating a terrain that not only you were, that was going to be new to you anyway, but now was unfamiliar to you and everybody around you. So it wasn't even like there were places to turn. It was like, hey, how do you do this? It was like, oh, I never had to find a job in the middle of a global pandemic. And so um, I think there's a lot of ways that it just created some unique challenges in that, in that space. Um, and one of the biggest ones I think is just in how uh, you relate to one another um, and just being isolated for so long. And it's like, okay, what does it look like to go from having super intimate, close knit relationships in a college dorm setting to now I'm out of college. I'm living in an apartment, probably working remote if that. And mm-hmm. now I went from, yeah, close community to isolation. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting how, like, I think a lot of the things I, I've seen 
were already existent before COVID, before the pandemic, um, but they were so magnified by what COVID produced in isolating so many people. It, it produced a desire for community, a desire to not feel alone, but then it also magnified maybe those things that offer in a lying matter um, options to kind of console that loneliness. So mm. just different idols that we might run to or different lies that we might believe just became heightened. Um, but also I, I think there was a degree of truth that, that that produced of, oh no, I need people. I need community. I need help. Um, I don't know what I'm doing, um, but limited the options for mm. actually communicating that, yeah. like you're saying, Ty. And so, um, yeah, I think seeing on the other side of it, there's this there's this aspect of, I know what I want. I know kind of what I need. Mm. I just don't, don't know. know how, yeah, there. I don't know yeah. how to get there. Uh, whether that's in the job, like in the job sphere and trying to to work or trying to build that community there or relate to people in, in that sphere. Some of which knew what the just work life was before COVID, but even in college, like coming in of like, what is normal college? What is, but none of us are really dealing with what is the the old normative anymore. We're all kind of figuring out what it looks like. We we might have known what it looked like before. I mean, I got to work with college students before COVID existed, um, but now I'm I'm also trying to figure out how to pour into these students and point them to God um, and community in a healthy manner um, post COVID. And I'm like, this looks different for me as mm. well as I try to think for you and help think for you and, and guide you. Um, but yeah, it's, it feels really complicated. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I would just echo what Tamarcus and Jenna have said, uh, like the isolation, but the ability to kind of soothe that isolation immediately. Mm. And so, um, I think on the other side of that is to me, the lack of resilience, um, because I, there's this muscle that's built to kind of have to push through. And I think the pandemic provided us with options where I didn't have to build, well, we didn't have to build that muscle. Um, and so when it comes to like, how do I navigate friendships and relationships and community mm -hmm. when I've just kind of been by myself or it's just online. Um, yeah. And we all know friendships are not easy and they're messy. Um, and so instead of like kind of immediately going on to the next person, like how do I kind of stay in that space? And I think that that is a muscle. Mm. And just even from friends of mine who are in the education sphere and seeing how students show up differently in the classroom and like literally engaging with one another and the ability to engage um, with the teacher, like folks talking about like having people feeling uncomfortable with like direct eye contact across mm -hmm. the table because I'm just not used to that. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. not everybody, but I think the way that we've been shaped to interact and how do we deal with those things that are a little mm -hmm. bit uncomfortable, like we've been given options to escape. But I also, uh, I think one aspect I've seen is um, a hunger for questions about their faith, right? So we get to this point and, you know, I think for some it's a revealer because we don't have we're not able to easily ask access the places where we are able to learn what it means to follow Jesus. And so it's like, oh, that I have this desire and hunger for more. And I think for some, what I have seen is like people really leaning in mm -hmm. and being creative about a, where they gather, how they gather. Um, and so I think for me, I've seen some some positives after the mm -hmm. post-pandemic of how this generation has really kind of broken tradition and norms, I think mm -hmm. in ways that are healthy um, and say, we want to do it in a different way and have seen that to be really effective. And so I think there is some kind of like, there's a lot of goodness, I think that have come out the other side as well. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's really good. I thought of this while you were talking. Um, so what do you guys think are some of the ways um, that because I, I think let's get to dating in a second, but let's just talk about like friend relationships, parent relationships. So what are some of the ways that COVID maybe changed how those types of relationships happen and any positives or negatives on that field? Ooh, well, I, I think so one, maybe define when I'm thinking like COVID pandemic era, yeah. that's like loaded with social unrest is mm -hmm. alongside, you know, a bunch of other Probably things. Probably about a year. Financial. Yeah. So it was like this 
March there's 20th. A, there's a number of different, you know, uh, things there. And part of the reason I say that, I, when I think of parent relationships, which I, I think it's familial relationships in general, um, and I think everybody felt this across the board, whether you're a young adult or not, um, but there was just this intense pressure to, like, silo and, like, choose sides in ways that I think um, just became, I mean, even just within my own ministry, like, it, it forced real pressure um in relationships where you thought like oh like generally like we're nothing can come between this kind of bond and then it's like mask or no mask do you don't answer that right cancel get out right or you know left or right uh you know this or that and so it was it is so many different conversations that i think forced people into positions that cause strife a lot between a lot of siblings between um, children and parents, uh, so generational gap in that way that I think caused, um, yeah, again, just expedited some of these uh, pressures that we were talking about. And I found that it made, from you know, from a Christian perspective, when we think about um, how being united in Christ like invites us into a community where Christ is ultimately the thing that is holding us together. Um, People may not have voiced it that way, but it definitely became a Christ and my stance mm-hmm. on this thing. And it's like, I'm going to rock mm-hmm. with people that hold that together. And where there's tension there, you know, people are leaving churches, people mm-hmm. are leaving groups, people are leaving, you know, all sorts of affiliations that they were probably in for a, a long amount of time. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, like I was kind of, it's like, I've been here for decades mm-hmm. and over this thing, I'm out now. And it was that was just happening all over the place. So you had those deep rooted mm-hmm. ties that all of a sudden became unsettled in an instant, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which, yeah, that makes, that makes trusting really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes, you know, we talked about vulnerability, like that makes vulnerability really hard uh, when those deepest relationships break in that way. And now you're trying to find new ones and it's like, well, it's just going to end up like, you know, the previous yeah, it's interesting, like, as as you talk about that, thinking of, I mean, the main forms of building, like, friendships and relationships were, I mean, or continuing them were maybe a social distance if you already lived near the person mm-hmm. um, interaction. But for the most part, it was like, okay, I'm on Zoom yep. or I'm, but predominantly on social media. And so then that just perpetuated it because social social media, the algorithm puts the same opinion that you have on your feed. Like it's just, you're literally just hearing voices that are saying the things that you're saying, believing the things that you're believing. And you're like, this what this is what a relationship needs. Mm-hmm. I need to believe all the same things as another person. But that is not what the gospel says, that we need to believe one foundational truth um, to be able to be in community. And, and we work through the other things. Like the the letters from from the apostles are just filled with that of like oh, yeah. of just we we work through this for the glory of God for for Christ um, we we pursue these relationships with people who have nothing in common with us um, but hearing all of those things hearing that oh there's all these people who who believe the same things and and think the same the same things as me is something I value and it affirms me mm-hmm. and that's what I really want friendships to do and it kind of broadcasts that. Like, like I really want mm-hmm. my friendships to just tell me I'm right, and um, that's not what true friendship is. That's not what true like loving mm-hmm. relationships produce. Um, and I also think there there were some um, good like aspects of because there's this pandemic that is life threatening. Like we are thinking of others in a way that's like okay, like how how do I care for a person without being able to be with this person? How do I think for this person? How do I pray for this person? I I really feel the inability to um, to do anything. Therefore, I need to pray. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like that was also elevated in a really cool way, but there were so many conflicting things in yes. in that sphere of just. Um, I, I'm isolated. I feel like this, this need for relationships. How do I do that? What are the relationships I want to delve into? Um, I have options, but I also don't like at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah, so. it was, it was weird. Cause it's, I'm, I'm thinking through those categories and it's, 
I mean, I'll, how, how many of us read posts where it was like, if you if you don't believe this, how could you even be human? Or like, if yeah. you don't do this, I don't want to hear whatever. And it was like, in in one instance, you had what seemed to be this like push towards inclusivity mm-hmm. in like the mm-hmm. hugest form. And at the same time, maybe one of the hardest um really places to navigate in that like there was no room for like uniqueness right Mm -hmm. it was are you this side of that side Mm -hmm. are you this side of that side Mm -hmm. and everything I need to know about you I can find out by how you answered you know one or two questions and it's like it's not a conversation yeah it's no conversation and it's (laughs) like man what human is that simple Um, (laughs) I think we're a little just a little bit more complex than that Mm -hmm. Um, and Mm -hmm. yeah just that was really really suffocating so you felt forced whereas if you maybe we're even trying to cling to that mm-hmm. Christian vision of what community looks like. It's like, well, I'm, I got to do one or two things. Either I got to go full fledged in this tribe so I could stay, or I just got to be quiet and not say nothing because I don't want to ruffle the feathers. And it's like, it's really hard to be deep with with people when you're in that position. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I, and I also think there was a struggle because people didn't see the church mirror model it really well, mm-hmm. and so there's aspects of the church where was saying those if you're not doing this, yep. we don't mm-hmm. want you here, mm-hmm. or like they see people leave in mass mm-hmm. because either the church was wearing masks or wasn't wearing masks. Mm-hmm. They saw it with their parents, right. um, you know, really vaccine, close, no vaccine, right? No vaccine. Mm-hmm. You know, they see people. Posting things, like delving into the waters of conspiracy theories yeah. in really major ways. And you're like, I thought I knew you, but mm-hmm, I don't know mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there's also this like unset- like unsettledness with the church. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think we also see people coming out of the pandemic being like, I don't really know what these Jesus people are about because mm-hmm. how I've seen you respond in this area, this moment of like immense tension pressure cooker has produced some really unsettling fruit. Uh, And so I don't think it's a coincidence that we're in this moment of deconstruction after the pressure cooker of COVID and social unrest and the financial, all the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then some of it was like self-inflicted for sure. It was like, hey, we could have done better here. And then some of it was like, man, again, it's like, hey, if you allow people to gather like you hate people and it's mm-hmm. like, oh man, all right, well, we're going to shut down. You're going to stop gathering. You hate right. God. And it's like, wait, what? Like you, it's <laughs> like your options were always terrible. Like that was all, that was like the, like the prevalent narrative. And it's like nuance. Right. Like, and, and nuance. inner, it's harder for me to say to Jenna or to Marcus, you're a fool and you are crazy when I'm looking at you. Mm. <laughs> yes. But it's so easy for me to type it oh, you in. Can type it. Oh, I can type sure. it real Twitter quick. Twitter fingers. Twitter fingers. Or X fingers now. X- right. Well, you're you're less of a person across this Right. <laughs> and so it's like the, the ease of, again, I think we're embodied people. And when we show up in places with each other, they're just, we build muscles for certain mm-hmm. things and we build muscles for nuance because I have to accept the fullness of your humanity and yes. like, okay, like there's complexity but online that just went away. And so Mm -hmm. I think for maybe those of us who have had a little bit more time in just, we're just older. Um, Like the muscle for some, not all, (laughs) 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 is maybe a little stronger. But like if this is kind of your first iteration of adult relationships and that period of growth is immediately, is just, it's on Zoom and not like me sitting next to you and how does that form how I'm able to navigate really complex conversations? And I will also say this, when the church doesn't always train us how to have complex conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So. There was um something, I think maybe a distinction would be helpful. So I'm old enough to remember I was in high school when 9-11 happened. And so what I remember from that was there was a um, sense of unity for the country uh, that lasted a while. Like I would say months, several months, uh, maybe even a year. There was a point where there was an ongoing war in Iraq and then there was like a lot of questions. um, But a lot of people received their news from the same source. They received their news from TV. Um, Even if you were in the CNN camp or the Fox News camp, they were kind of covering the same things. 
Um, there was stuff online because that was 2001, but it, being online and getting news and Twitter, none of that mm-hmm. was a thing. Mm-hmm. And so what you saw was a lot of people, right or wrong, they're receiving the same information and they're responding. Um, and I think maybe something that uh, is different with this situation is it is global and also they're receiving such different information. So I actually want to go off script here. Um, how is a way, because when you're, if you're thinking of young adults and it's like you're, we'll say average 25. So when you're a 25 year old and you're trying to still figure, you're literally, your brain's still developing. You're still trying to figure out um, what you believe about the world and what you know about um, your your place in the world, um, whether or not you're Christian or not. Um, but then if you are Christian, how, how God fits into that and like how you are pursuing him. At that point in time, how, what are some practical ways to like discern the information you're seeing online? To know who's behind the voices that you're listening to. And so I think it actually requires us to slow down and to do research about the news sources that we're getting. So here's just like one really extreme example. There are people, there's like folks who were post making posts about, I think it was Jamie Foxx. He's this mm. music actor, whatever, that he was dead. Like, the man's not dead. But, like, people are posting out information that's not true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, people are posting, like, comedy, oh my gosh. And uh. it's like, the man's daughter had to get out and say, my father is still alive. <laughs> um, and I think that's an extreme example because we don't that's question good. who's telling us things. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, um, I think we have to learn to question and ask good questions and slow down and do some research and say, mm-hmm. before I retweet this, before I accept this, before I share this, and let me figure out who's telling me this information. Yeah. And I think that that's helpful to help us discern, is it is this someone who's actually invested in giving me truth, which I know is complicated <laughs> in our age, mm-hmm. uh, or they're just trying to push me information so that I can immediately come to this conclusion mm-hmm. that's not informed with everything else that's involved in that conversation. Yeah. That's really good. Um, yeah, I think with like the who, like that also without saying like it kind of goes with the the motive like what is the motive of this person what is the motive of a news outlet what is the motive um like even it comes back to relationships it's like the the closer i am with a person the less likely they are to be lying to me mm. um does that always happen no not necessarily <laughs> but um that's what the voices we can trust are the ones that we know are for us. Um, And so, I mean, I think that even goes with the, as a Christian, like whose voices can I trust? It's like, well, obviously the the first and foremost should be God's word. Like Mm -hmm. what does God's word say on any given topic? Because that is the most trustworthy voice um, to help guide me. And, and what are the motives of the other voices that are, that I'm hearing, whether they're family, um, whether they're some, outlet that I have no connection to, no relation to, and they're just trying to make their own dishonest buck, honest buck, whatever you want to say. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so I think thinking of those things, and then even as you're mentioning with social media, with Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, is this full information? Like it, I think what you're saying, Elizabeth, of like getting more information, doing and and the thing is, we never really want to do the legwork. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're if we're convicted of the information we're receiving, and if we don't want to be lying to others ourselves, then we do. We have to do the legwork ourselves. Um, we have to be able to take in information and say, is this a full picture? Is this one tweet a full picture of what this story is that I'm about to give my opinion on? Um, and and is that is my opinion going to be helpful or hurtful mm-hmm. in any given, whether it's true or not, is my opinion going to be helpful or hurtful? Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to make this answer not convoluted. Come on. But just stay with me. Um, <laughs> I think one of the, one, of, and this is just a personal lesson for me too in thinking about how I'm receiving information. And I specifically wanted to think about how, how that affected how we relate to one another and treat people within community. Um, getting information online in a sense is like space and time becomes ambiguous. Mm. And so there's a, there's a level of like proximity. Cause you know, I would say one, another great thing about, you know, we're talking about this generation, keep wanting to throw some kudos. It's like, (laughs) 
We want to respond. We want to we want to help. We want to be about the cause. We yeah. want to do the thing. And there's there's a beauty in that. And there is a way in which that can become really misguided and almost like it can it can where it's a where it should be a superpower. It becomes like you can be hamstrung by it because it's like, how am I supposed to help everybody everywhere at all times? That mm-hmm. sounds a lot like being God. And mm-hmm. really, we're just human. Mm-hmm. And I feel like one of the biggest things in just receiving media is like maybe limit, like the majority of your intake mm-hmm. should be um, in proximity to where actual community is. So if you want to know about, like I live in Princeton. Mm-hmm. If I want to know about Princeton, the, the best way to learn Princeton is probably for me to like know my neighbors mm-hmm. and like local people in the community who are like doing things or in you know whatever right um and then probably having some some local news of like what's happening in Princeton mm-hmm. you know next door is i guess a step sometimes it's it can be strange but you know navigate what's around me and then the further things are removed from me it's like there there has to be a sense of me recognizing like there's a way to care for things mm-hmm. that are happening all over but my care for all things can't be equal because I'm limited, yeah. right? And I think there's a sense in which the, like, barrage of information that's that was coming and that is coming gives the sense of, like, I got to do something about all of this. Yeah. And it's like, you just can't do that. Um, and so I, I just, I think even before, like, what should I trust? It's like, is this, like, this is too much for me. Let me, like, limit my scope. And now begin to like navigate that because it's really hard for somebody to lie to me about something happening in my community because I'm kind of around. Like I can <laughs> I can drive over there. Yeah. But you can lie to me about what's happening, you know, overseas or in yeah. Detroit or whatever because I'm I'm not there. But yeah, um, I just I think I think that is one of the biggest things of like limit to like, you know, hey, what you can only live in a, in a certain time in a certain space. How can you? All right, let's let's learn that space. And then I think even to your point with 9-11, like that was a that was a concentrated mm-hmm. um kind of effort around, you know, a instance mm-hmm. in in our country that we all drew in. But it's like in general, like that wasn't that wasn't the that wasn't we weren't having that same level of attention mm-hmm. to also f- like 20 other things. And like I think that's that is something that has become more and more true where it's like that that level of attention mm-hmm. to everything at one time. And yeah, anyway, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but just dial yeah, that back. That's really good. And no, COVID did something different because it, it brought in, it, there was many ways to look at what was happening. Yeah. And there was many voices and it's like deciphering all of that was really difficult. Let's transition into a different topic for young adults that it's pretty prevalent um the topic of dating and marcus you're the only one here who's married so i'm just kidding <laughs> oh, you I have to like... have all the answers um <laughs> no, i'm kidding i'm kidding I'm okay saying, so Ooh. i there's some interesting some interesting stats here the dating app market uh made about five billion dollars in 2022 um i think we all probably wouldn't assume this is true but the um increase in online the way people meet each other is have moved online um and so uh i think there's good and bad things of that i know people who have successfully uh, met a spouse that way and um and you know uh would say that it worked for them and then i met a lot of people probably more people who've said it didn't work and it's not working and i'm not meeting anyone worth uh value all these people would be Christian. Um, so I, I think one question uh, coming out of that is like, how do we discern in the dating pool? <laughs> what do we, what do we think about advice for the? Tw- Again, we're gonna talk to the twenty-five year old for sure. Advice I'm gonna try to be them. as unbiased as possible. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna play my. I'm gonna show my cards first, but Let's then I'm go. gonna try to dial it back. I think. It is a it is a more difficult space to navigate than ever. Than ever. Um, Why? I just if I use a, a shift, right? I'm gonna go way back, all the way back to like Genesis. Okay, <laughs> the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
of all the things that were about to come out of I wouldn't have guessed. Eve, like, what about Adam you had one lie. choice. It was you, Eve. You didn't lie. Just, you didn't lie. Well, not that far back in Genesis, okay. but right. Okay. It's but no, no. So when you, oh sorry, Abraham's trying to find okay. a wife yeah. for for Isaac, right? Okay. He sends a, a a trusted servant. He goes to a land of of people they know, who know him, who mm-hmm. of repute. There, there's a level of like. We're checks and balances that are happening. We ain't got to go that far back. But now you go back to just other forms of mm-hmm. just traditional dating. Maybe a friend introduces you to somebody. They know you pretty well. Mm-hmm. They know this other person. There's a, right, there is a, some, some interpersonal relationship happening there. Yep. And then you go to, here's a picture of somebody mm-hmm. and a brief description. Swipe left or right. Right. And it's like, man, that. It's not a whole lot to go by. So I, I think at least being aware of like what's lost there and then like maybe how do we recoup that? And so maybe like there's an intentionality mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. okay, this is the space I can use to meet and navigate because it's, you know, slim picking whatever's happening out there. You know, I've been at the game for a minute. Um, but it's like, okay, what kind of questions or what kind of things do I need to be um, – supplementing this relationship with so that I am having making a full informed mm. decision not simply off of you cute you not cute because mm. a lot of times that's what's happening mm-hmm. um, nobody might not voice that but a lot of times that's what's happening mm-hmm. and so I think just having that those added stop gaps yeah. that might be a good book for somebody to write like a couple things to think about while you Online date. I don't know. I want to read that book, but somebody <laughs> should. Somebody named Tamarcus should write yeah. that book. Y'all can't see Tamarcus being like, "You got another Tamarcus in the studio?" <laughs> <laughs> it's your book. You write it. We'll wait. <laughs> um, I think it's so. I don't know. I. I'm going to try not to get on a soapbox, but... um, No, this is the platform for a soapbox. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm personally... I mean, I've never, I've never uh, dabbled with uh, online dating. I've had a lot of friends that have, and I've seen, you know, a variety of like, of how that's gone. And, and I do think there's an aspect of like, like you, you do have to date to get to know a person. Yeah. Regardless of if you're like, whatever the outlet is, Mm -hmm. but... Um, and I'm a person that I would say, like, I have, like, non-negotiables in terms of, like, how a person is pursuing their relationship with the Lord and others, um, both in fellowship and in evangelism. But there's this degree that I don't think we have, like, as a community of even single people give this grace of if the Holy Spirit is in that person, God's not done with them yet. And um, mm. and I'm going to be marrying or dating or whatever, a sinner, no matter what. Mm. And I have to be able to Mm. give the grace of God's not done with them yet. I'm not marrying. I'm not seeking to marry a a finished product. And I think we really in our heads, whether we admit it or not, are trying to find a finished product. Um, And praise the Lord, that's already been done in Christ. Like we Mm. have the finished product in Him and He is all that we need in those spheres. Um, And I do think we should have... um, non-negotiables. We should have high standards in terms of what that looks like. I want to be dating someone and I want others that I care about to be dating someone who is in pursuit yeah. of of Christ in a way that's like, I know I'm not done and I know God is still doing work in me. Um, and he has promised to bring to completion the work mm-hmm. that he has begun in me. Um, but I need to have the eyes to see that mm-hmm. no single person that I'm building a friendship with, a relationship with in any sphere is a finished product. And I need to have the grace with them and even myself in that um, in that space. So I think you just step on that soapbox. <laughs> yeah, that was a great soapbox. That's an excellent soapbox. I mean, part of what you're getting at is like, hey, I'm not just marrying somebody mm-hmm. for all of the perfect ways that they'll like supplement me. Yeah. It's like... I see what the Lord is doing in you and I want to be a part of yeah. what he's doing. Mm-hmm. That's a different. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I think a couple of thoughts. Um, one thing alongside what Jenna was talking about is expectations mm-hmm. uh, for what we're going to get on online dating. And I don't know if the fellas deal with this. I'll just speak to young adult women <laughs> is every person you meet may not be your husband. 
And so... Mm. Can you expound on that? <laughs> yeah, probably not. Expound on that. <laughs> and so I think we meet someone and immediately we're like, oh, immediately you might be thinking of your wedding dress. And mm-hmm, like, you mm-hmm. just fast forward. And to give ourselves time to just like, I'm just connecting with people and getting yeah. to know them. And this may work out and this may not work out. And if it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. Um, somebody gets to decide whether or not they want to be with me. And if they say they don't want that, that's fine. It doesn't mean I'm not a great person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think maybe having appropriate expectations of what online dating provides for us is like, this is a place to connect with people, mm-hmm. but those connections don't immediately mean that this is going to result in an engagement. Um, And I think sometimes women, we can be prone to that for different reasons that sometimes are outside of our control. That to me is like appropriate expectations. Mm -hmm. And then questions of, am I online dating because I want to get married or because I'm lonely? Mm. And I think Mm. sometimes male or female, that we can just be connecting and swiping Mm. left or right because of attraction, because I want someone to fill a hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of, I think, being in a good space, healthy space for online dating is that we're healthy ourselves. Yeah. And so that I'm not doing this because I hate my singleness. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing this to try to escape from something, but I genuinely want to find companionship because I think sometimes when we get to those places within a relationship where like, this is hard, this is difficult, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. It's like, well, maybe you had the wrong expectations of what a relationship is supposed to do for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And am I ready for marriage? Like, am I ready for that type of committed relationship? And again, that doesn't mean, I think those are big questions, but it's like, if you're not considering those questions, what's your motivation for being on this platform in the first place? Uh, And I think some of the reason people get mishandled um, Mm -hmm. and have bad experiences with online dating is because the person who they're interacting with doesn't have good motivations and that we would do our best to show up right. And again, I echo to Mark's like, ask really good questions, have activities that... It, you need to be talking to someone. So yeah. activities where like yeah. a movie is great, bowling is great, but you need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like activities that promote a conversation and that mm-hmm. you come ready with questions that are able to discern not just um, the fun things they enjoy doing in their favorite colors, but <laughs> <laughs> man, what's this person? Man, do they have an awareness for where they're at yeah. in their life? I've learned that if you just let people talk, mm-hmm. they'll tell you a lot about themselves and also that we would listen the first time. Yes. Uh, because sometimes people tell us the red flags and we're just like, no, they're purple. It's like, no, they're red. <laughs> you need to exit. <laughs> um, all that's wisdom and in community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. need to date in community. They need to meet your friends. You need to meet their friends yeah. um, because their friends are also going to tell you a lot about who the person is because mm-hmm. we always bring forth a representative in dating and their yeah. friends will tell you that's not that that's not that cat. Good See, advice. This, that's a good, good takeaway. It's like, hey, we're going to do top golf. You bring four of your closest mm-hmm. friends. Yeah. I bring four of my closest friends. We all hang out. Yeah. Boom. It's we ain't got to go to a movie by ourselves first mm-hmm. date. Mm-mm. It's not a good first date. No, no, not first. Not first. Yeah, later. No, no, no. Later. Why not community? Yeah. And always, you know, plan that chat after the movie. Like, mm-hmm. What do you think of that movie? Because that might tell you something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good advice. Good advice. Um. I think what I'm hearing a lot of y'all point to, so maybe we should touch on it really quick, is uh, there's a sense of, um, I think when you're young, you're often, because of your age and other factors, hormones, um, you're thinking a lot about marriage. This is the most important thing. This is the age when this is going to happen. And I need to be meeting that person. I need to start a family soon. There's a reality there that's sort of true, but also... um, yeah, I think culture kind of pushes that more than they need to. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the family of God, though, is like probably the most important thing that you need to be thinking about. And I think that's just not often on young people's minds. Um, what What would be um, some advice for building better just community? And anybody can take that. I think just some simple bullet points to kind of preface that conversation as you were saying, right? Marriage is a gift. Mm-hmm. No one's promise. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. Singleness is a gift. Um, family is a type of community. It's not the only type of community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even the only, like marriage is not even the only place that it, where intimate relationship is. There can be yeah. intimacy in relation. There is intimacy that does not mean sex. That can happen outside of marriage. Um, 
a depth of friendship that I think is just not often talked about um, as well and can be, but can be accessed. I also think that there is a, um, there's a degree to which we can think, oh, like um, once I'm married, right? So the assumption that I'm going to get married and then like once I get, then I'll start X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. um, of life. And the best place to start preparing for marriage is being when you're single. Like if, mm-hmm. like being, being a health, as you described even in dating, right? Being healthy single, mm-hmm. um, knowing how to be a good friend, knowing how to have conversations, knowing how to express your feelings, knowing all of the things that you can do outside of marriage, like again, growing in intimacy or relationship, like are all the things that are needed in marriage. So it's like, you know, I counsel, do premarital counseling or marriage counseling all the time and, you know, not knowing how to communicate, not knowing how to talk mm-hmm. about feelings, not knowing how to talk about past, not knowing how to serve others. It's like, you know, I, I don't know how to do it. It's like, man, those are all things that we can be doing throughout life that we're called to do throughout life, regardless of whether we're married or not. And so I think, um, yeah, maybe sometimes like marriage is like, has this like mystical, like it's this different kind of living that happens in, and it's like, man, it's, it's the same thing. It's like the Lord tell you, you got to learn how to die to yourself. And you're like, yeah, cool, cool. I'll get to that. And then you get married and it's like, nah, like you got to die to yourself. And it's like, oh, it's, it's the same rules. And now it's just you, maybe the difference is like, there is a manifestation of when you're not doing that, how you see more acutely how it affects another person. Um, so I, yeah, That's I just, I, I just think having a proper orientation around like, mm-hmm. if God called you to singleness, it's like, praise God. If God calls you and leads you to get married one day, get married one day, praise God. Um, but being careful to kind of, not yeah. overplay one over the other. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting how much time um, we try to invest towards finding, like, the person um, and overlook the relationships that are right before us and, like, actually investing in those. Like you're saying, like, those are – so many of my friendships have revealed um, in the best way, like, my sin and my mm-hmm. selfishness mm-hmm. and my need for God and grace. Um, and that has been so, so good. And it's mutual. Um, and I think there's so many practical ways. Uh, literally, we're a table full of people who have lived out trying to provide practical ways to build community for young adults um, seeking friendships, seeking mm-hmm. um, fellowship. Um, and and I, th- I think I'm really grateful that we do live in a time that we understand like this weird young adult stage like needs to be thought for in our mm. church um, as we try to, I mean, there's so, ma- so many reasons for that, but as we try to think for um, building a community that can look multi- multi-generational or just a sphere of friends that are in your same stage of life. And I think we just practically need to spend more time in those spaces and be intentional um, mm-hmm. in that. I'm I'm a hyper introvert. It is so hard for me to enter into a space um, that is new or like there's there's people and I'm like, okay, I got to go. Like, I got to be the one to say hi. <laughs> like, I got to be the yes. one yeah. to start the conversation. Yeah. Um, but if I have the right mentality of what the motive, what the purpose is on the other side of this it's not promised, but could be something really beautiful that glorifies the Lord and is a gift to me in friendship. Mm. Like I can say that initial hello and start that awkward conversation and build a relationship um, that ser- like serves both parties in, in a really, um, really cool way. Um, and I think we have to be more bold in those spaces. We have yeah. to be the one. I think there's so much, and it makes sense. There's so many spheres, and I hear I hear a lot. I like I just want someone to initiate to me. Like, I just want someone to come to me. And it's like, and that, and that is why we have the gospel. That is why we get to say like, somebody has, somebody Mm. has, and now you have the ability to go and do that for yourself. Like Christ has initiated to you um, when, when maybe no one else was, and you Mm. were, and you were an enemy, like um, above all else. Um, 
And now it's in you to be able to initiate to someone else, to see others, to start the conversation. Mm. And I know, I get it. It is taxing or like there's so much fear in that. Um, But it serves such a greater purpose to do that and begin initiating those relationships and building those relationships and investing in them. Um, It it will produce fruit, some really, really beautiful fruit um, that is just steadfast and like longstanding um, in in your lifetime like it it's something that will be able to carry be carried with you for a lifetime yeah Mm. Yeah, it's just friendships are built uh, i've seen over time with proximity yeah so you know i think sometimes it can be difficult because we don't have an immediate like spark with a friend and so we think oh this person is not for me or isn't you know i need to move on to somebody else and it's like i've just seen the lord over time connect me with people that i face value was like, oh, that's not going to be a good friendship. But the Lord knew something different than I did. And so I think for us to remember that the the Lord is present in our desire for relationship and the people that he draws our way, the people, you know, that um, we get an opportunity to serve alongside, the people that we find opportunities to connect with and that we lean into that um, Mm -hmm. because I just, I just have seen the Lord do that so many different times mm-hmm. and he's humbled me um, because mm-hmm. that person was actually a better friend than the person I was thinking would be mm-hmm. a really cool friend. Mm-hmm. And I also will say sometimes the internet, <laughs> um, social media can make it difficult. Um, I think probably for relationships, but also friendships, because it just provides this idea of perfection and romanticizes what things look like. And so we're like, mm-hmm. if it doesn't look like this and it's not good, and it just is, the community of God is just diverse in so many different ways, different life stages, different, you know, it just is defined a space to be able to serve. Uh, I think it's Rebecca, is it Rebecca McLaughlin? That's it. Okay. Um, and so she was being asked on a podcast, you know, about, you know, church is hard and, you know, mm-hmm. how do I get connected? And at, what I believe she said, somebody told me that they're like, you need to share this on a podcast, um, <laughs> was that sometimes we, and it for rightly so. Like, I get what it is to be the new person in a room. I get what it is to just really long for friendship, like to be known, Mm -hmm. safe people, uh, but to be courageous enough to show up and love somebody else and to serve somebody else. And what she says is like in the loving that we'll find love for ourselves. Uh, And so, again, to emphasize initiation and giving and seeing what God can do over time. So stick in there. It can be awkward from another introvert. You know, (laughs) just come up with a good small talk questions. You know, you can't ask people how their soul is doing on the first instance. But it's just as like, I'm not doing this by myself. Mm -hmm. God is with me. God desires good community for me. And so let me just pursue that knowing the Holy Spirit's going to make opportunities Mm -hmm. along the way. Yeah. Really good. I'd love to add something to the family of God talk that I think is I think is I huge. wish you would. Um, I feel like oftentimes, at least in the church culture I grew up in, this is 1 Timothy 5.2, by the way. I'm going to read it how it not actually reads, but how I feel like the church <laughs> talks about it. It's like Paul's writing to Timothy. He's telling him how to relate to other folks in the church. And he tells, you know, to treat the older men like fathers. He says to elder women as mothers and young sisters like the plague unless you're going to marry him. And it's like, man, that's not, that's not actually what's, what's happening here. <clears throat> actually. Yeah. It's like treat young sisters, young, young women as sisters mm-hmm. in all purity. Yeah. Um, and I say that, I just remember being in Bible college and like recalling the mm-hmm. way male female relationships yeah. took place or didn't take place. And so much of it was, it was, it was weird. It's like, don't, don't talk, don't look, don't mm-hmm. think, don't nothing. But then when you get ready to get married, like date or don't date, but like, <laughs> like how? be intentional, but don't, not too much. And it's mm-hmm. like, man, how, like it's it's hard. And it's, the reality is like, hey, there is a, there is a space mm-hmm. to have, to interact with and to have relationship, male and female, female, male relationships that A, don't have to terminate in marriage every time. Or ever like it, it doesn't have to. You can just they can be your sister. You know, I'm the mm-hmm. only only boy, two sisters in my family. And like I remember reading that passage in college and just thinking, like, man, how do I treat my sisters? Mm-hmm. Like I have biological sisters. What is my relationship with them? Like, how do I value them? How am I like 
I'm protective of them mm-hmm. and, you know, want the best. I tell them they're beautiful mm. and not because I'm lusting after them, because mm-hmm. I just think they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I want them to hear, you should hear from the voice of somebody who's not just trying to pursue you yep. for the wrong reasons, yep. that you're beautiful. And yep. I feel like that's such a lost, mm-hmm. like, art. or And not just how you look, but, like, you're intel- like there's more to a woman than just how they look. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's a, there's a whole can there, but I just think... There's some there's some work to be done in how we relate to one another and how we speak to one another and how we can encourage one another um, that in some ways alleviate. Because I think maybe some of even the, the it feels like the only place for that relationship is marriage, mm-hmm. that, that there is no there is no interaction between the two outside of it. And it's like, no, in the family of God, it's like. Like, Jesus had people in his circle. Obviously, you know, you look at the 12 and it was, you know, all guys. But it's like he had people in his circle mm-hmm. who were women. And let's, I mean, let's look at what, what the scripture shows and how that, those relationships took place. Like, it was, he honored them and he listened to them. He was, mm-hmm. he was a confidant, right? Like, he was mm-hmm. somebody who was supportive um, um, in their life. And I just, I wish, I wish we saw more of that and talked mm-hmm. more about that. Mm-hmm. Um in our in our family of God conversation. It's really good. Well, we've gone a little long, so I'm going to wrap it up. Um, any last thoughts? You guys covered a lot. Um, <laughs> I thought of this, uh, so I'm. It was convicting for me, and I'm I'm going to share it. There was a um, it was Rebecca McLaughlin again, but it was um, I think it was her podcast, and she was talking about how uh, the family of God is the most important family you have even more than your nuclear family. And so um, something that she and her husband do is when they go to church, they don't sit together. They find someone who's sitting alone Mm. and because they don't want anyone in the family of God to be sitting alone. And there's a way of like thinking about the people that you're in church with. You don't have to just, I mean, sorry, you don't have to agree with them. You don't have to like everything about them, but you are called to love them somehow. And so I think there's something about showing up to church and thinking of, oh, these are all these people that I don't know. But actually, you do know them because you have Christ. Mm-hmm. You all have Christ. Um, and then there's people who are probably there that may not know Christ. So you definitely need to talk to them. And it's like your opportunity um, when you're at church to show up for your brothers and sisters, to find the non-believer and um, give them a picture of Christ. It's like that's the most important thing you should be doing when you when you show up. So. Just to close, uh, I think what we've covered here, the pandemic was hard. <laughs> and uh, and I think what it did was it revealed a lot of our um, capacity for disunity and our capacity for sinfulness um, in a way that maybe the world wasn't thinking about. But as Christians, we know that that is a reality. And so I think if we are asking ourselves, you know, as a Christian, how do I navigate this world, you know, especially since we're speaking to the young adults, um, being 25, how do I navigate getting a job and getting my finances in order and making friends and maybe pursuing marriage if that's what I want? As a Christian, ask better questions, find community, find people that will help lead you to God and to better fruit. And so, um, yeah, I think just figuring that out, um, remembering that you're not all knowing, remembering that, you know, you need diversity of friendships, you need diversity of community, and uh, it's okay to be vulnerable mm-hmm. with each other. And it's okay because Christ was vulnerable and God has you in the hard and the easy parts. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. This episode was produced by me with editing and support from The Good Podcast Company. If you're a regular follower of the podcast, we would love to hear from you. Drop a review or message us on Instagram. You can also check out the show notes for more information on how to best connect with us. See you around.